will fail, he will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I wonder how many other of us are feeling that today. But we need to go before the Lord in prayer to the one who holds us fast. Always. When we're feeling like this and when we're feeling great. Always. And we need to go to God like prayer. Like my son Micah, three-year-old, went to his parents this past week when we were in a hotel room together. We were all crammed into one hotel room uh, celebrating some big birthdays in our family. And we all happened to be in one area. And in the middle of the night, probably two or three in the morning, Micah, from his sleep, cries, water! And of course, we got the little guy some water. And then he even cried out for some food too, in the middle of the night, a little bit later. Didn't get much sleep, but we took care of our boy. The Lord takes care of his children, doesn't he? He will hold us fast. Let's go before this great God now in prayer for help that he might hold us fast because he must hold us fast. We're in big, big trouble. Let's go before him together. Father, thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers, that you answer the prayers of your saints, even as many have been praying for me, including Eric there before the service, uh, as well as many other saints here in this room have been praying for me that you might hold me fast, that I might deliver this sermon and be faithful to you. Would you give us all attentive ears and hearts and minds to be able to hear, to see truth, and to be encouraged as a body together about the great work that you're doing for your glory in the nations. Say this in Christ's name, amen. Well, turn with me quickly to Psalm 67 in verse 5 and 6, and I want to read to you all what I read last week in the call to worship. And just a few verses here, it says this, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. I come to you, as I mentioned this morning, burdened, a little bit heavy-hearted over a lot going on, really just the weight and, and, uh, of, of, a, of a missionary come, a brother come and share last week that I was just so stirred to the heart about this great work that he was doing. It just has consumed my mind and heart the last several weeks ever since I reached out to this brother after the, the church encouraged me to do so. It's been weighty. I've been praying And I was so excited for him to come last week. And I just want to lead our church to be stirred in this kind of way as well. That's my goal. That's my aim. Now, this isn't going to be a typical sermon that I normally preach. Because usually I'm going to preach an exposition through a verse of Scripture, kind of like I've been doing in the Galatians series. The next verses up, I'll preach a sermon as it relates to that. This is a little bit different. It's kind of on the topic there of gospel-motivated partnerships, as you see on the screen, but I am moved to want to follow up on the glorious things that we saw last week from Samuel, what he shared in his Sunday school, which I encourage you all to watch if you missed it, because that's going to be coming down soon um, from its limited time video, right? So 
Check that out. And then also his sermon in Romans 15. I want to follow up on that. I want to lead us, our church, to think about radical, intentional commitment supporting great commission outreach to the ends of the earth, which I know we're doing And I want to encourage us to continue along those lines. So we're going to be seeing ways, even this morning, right now, uh, ways that we are supporting missions for the glory of God as a church. We've done that. We've done it historically. We've done it faithfully, even while we also consider ways that we can further increase along these lines as a local church. Our mission statement at First Baptist Church of Gallatin is that we would glorify God by building up and reaching out. In other words, we want to be growing significantly as Christians so that we might be doing something significant with our lives by actually reaching out with the gospel to others in a variety of different ways. It's what we're about as a church. It's what Pastor Wood and I are leading us to as a church. And it's what so many of us are behind as members of this church. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for you all. I'm thankful for the believers that that see these realities, the glory of God, as a central thing in their lives. And we are to be built up here in this local church through the word-centered ministry of various ways and contexts that we uh, do all throughout this Bible or at this church, ministry that's done um, within the context of the Great Commission that is focused on making disciples and building up existing disciples. If you're a Christian, you are an existing disciple here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin. But notice in all these things that we've discussed so far, multiple Christians are involved and needed, right? It's not just one person. It doesn't happen by magic. It's not just a few people either, but the whole church working together to be built up in love as Ephesians chapter 4, which is the sermon I preached in November of 2019 in my candidating weekend. I'm going to read a portion of it again to remind you of it. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Our church is reliant on multiple body parts, so to speak, to be built up in love. Multiple people in partnership, in unity. I want us, as a church, to be a people here in Gallatin to be in partnership with one unified mind around the gospel of Jesus Christ, together for that gospel. Did you know that unbelievers are perishing across the world and even in our own town without believing and trusting the good news of the gospel? I want to be urgent about the mission and the need to reach people with the gospel, all Together, we all know that this is a huge need. I don't have to convince believers of that, but I want to remind us of that. And we need to be unified and not divided. We need to be unified around that great problem, not divided amongst ourselves, or else we're never going to be able to deal with that problem. 
We need to be leading, even as Sam put forward last week in his messages, people to worship and glorify God. That is our ultimate task. And as John Piper famously states, that missions, you see, exists because worship doesn't. Meaning, there are some people today that are not worshiping God. You know them. They're unbelievers. So we need to reach unbelievers who are not worshiping God to make more God worshipers together with us for God's glory. We want the peoples to be praised, as Psalm 67 points forward. But some don't. So we reached out, we reach out in missions that they might hear the gospel and become a people who praise and worship God. This is the heartbeat of our church, right? It is. And just think for a moment, I want you to think hypothetically, if Christians didn't band together towards a shared goal of great commission partnership in prayer and involvement in ministry and even financial support, you know what? There would be no church. And there would be no work because there would be no people. And people are kind of important in this whole aspect of ministry and the Great Commission and the church. But we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because God guarantees that a collective group will continue and that Christians partnering will never cease to exist because he planned it that way, as Jesus said in uh, Peter, to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, he said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church isn't going to fail. The church is going to continue. Nothing's going to prevail against the church. That should give us boldness as Christians, not indifference, not hostility, not any and all kind of opposition of whatever it may be, nothing. Because Jesus is behind it, and our great triune God is behind it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, 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 O glory to the blessed Trinity. We, we need to be putting forward and be behind what God is putting forward, and we should have confidence that his work will be done. So even if one local church fails or abandons the gospel, for instance, and abandons partnership with gospel ministry, other local churches, you better believe it, will be there in existence and faithful ministry will continue even if one church is found unfaithful. Praise God for that, right? You can look around and you can see a lot of craziness in professing Christians and churches and things of that nature. It's like, what is going on there? Sometimes there's nothing going on there. And sometimes that church will end. But praise God, there are other churches. There are other peoples with hearts for mission, with hearts for gospel, with hearts for the Bible, with hearts for fellowship, with hearts for discipleship, with hearts for what we are about here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin. We want to be one of those faithful churches, right? We do. We want to be the ones holding the rope for faithful gospel ministry, for the people who need us to hold that rope, who are going to difficult places so that we might encourage their ministry and get behind a good vision and a good work, even here in Gallatin, Missouri. We want to be a part of that kind of thing, and we are a part of that kind of thing. And wouldn't you think that churches like ours might find something uh, into other churches that, who also want to build up in this great commission as well, and they might partner up with other churches to promote 
ministry like this? Wouldn't you think that that would be the case? Of course it is the case. Of course that people partner, churches partner with other ministries outside of their community as partners because of the motivation of the gospel and because of the Great Commission. We do that here at First Baptist Church. And if each local church is a Great Commission church, then it seems like it would make sense that the Great Commission churches and Great Commission churches across the world might partner up and promote and get behind good ministry, work together, support one another. And that is exactly what this sermon's about, gospel-motivated partnerships or working together. And we do that, but I want us to see that, and I want us to be encouraged to more of that, right? So we're going to be looking at three areas of partnership that we are currently doing at First Baptist Church of Gallatin to be encouraged about the ministry that we're all a part of. I hope this is encouragement to all of you. It's been an encouragement to me as I've been meditating about it, uh, so that maybe some of you who might not even realize these partnerships might be reminded or encouraged by the gospel partnerships and push towards continued partnerships and even others in the future with a vision for what we can do even as a local church. So we're going to first look locally together. Then we're going to broaden that out. We're going to look domestically. And then lastly, we're going to look beyond all that to international partnerships as well, all with the framework here this morning of Acts 1-8, that gives us a model and plan that the early church was charged with right before Jesus ascended up to heaven. Acts 1.8 says this, it says, "But but but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see it there up on the screen or in your Bibles? There it is, local, Jerusalem, domestic, Judea and Samaria, and international to the ends of the earth. And what are these witnesses that are going out, that are spreading out and going, what are they called to be doing? We've seen this before in other sermon series, but let's be reminded of again, fulfilling the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Let's see it in our Bibles as well, or on the screen. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I hope we see connections with our local church's mission statement, which is the building up and reaching out, that we see connections to this biblical mandate of, of the Great Commission and partnering even in the Great Commission, locally, and then a little bit broader, and then even further to the ends of the world. I hope we see that. I want us to zoom in here on this first point and our first type of partnership, and that is, number one, local gospel partnerships for us to get a vision of this, for us to get a vision of what we are about as a church. We've seen this before in our Centered Church uh, Commitment series, that the Great Commission, you see, actually involves local ministry that's going on right here in Gallatin, believe it or not. Now, of course, the topic of pioneer missions and missionaries being sent is more focused uh, away from that local Jerusalem, so to speak, but Great Commission work is still being done here, even if typical missions work is being done with missionaries being sent out 
to the nations in terms of the Great Commission. So what do I mean by that? How is that the case? I want us to be convinced of this. Uh, but if we look back at the, uh, the Great Commission in verse 20 of Matthew 18, it says this. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the Great Commission talks about teaching about Jesus and all he taught to disciples. How many of us here are observing all the Jesus command and applying them to our lives perfectly all of the time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Raise your hand if that's one of you, and we can have a talk afterwards. I think all of us are still in that progress and process of learning from Jesus, the process of seeking to uh, learn, and that's a lifelong task. And that task is part, in part done right here in our local church. And we're continuing to faithfully teach and obey Jesus' commands, even right here at FBC Gallatin, even as other churches throughout the world are doing the same. That's what we do as local churches. But I think it's safe to say that Gallatin, even though um, not all of us in Gallatin are Christians, that everyone even through Davies County and other places locally, has access to the gospel, right? Even if some don't believe it and reject it, it's not because they don't have access to the gospel. There are many gospel-preaching churches in our area for people to go to. There are many resources, a plethora of resources, so many resources to see online. And there are many Christians, I see many of you here in this room, who are able to interact with unbelievers in our town and in our county here locally. But it doesn't mean just because there's access and people are reached here in Gallatin, doesn't mean that these local partnerships are somehow subpar or meaningless. No, this local ministry that's going on is so important and needed. In fact, it's fulfilling an aspect of the Great Commission in terms of continuing to disciple and teach and to continue to build up disciples here in a local, our local setting. So we have our local church here, but we also have uh, Christians in this church, if you're a member of this church, covenanting together, covenanting together, to live the Christian life together, regularly worship God together, and build each other up with the word and the gospel using our spiritual gifts together as a family, as the body of Christ. This is local ministry. This is local partnership. You remember here at this church, you're locally partnering with this local church to be on mission here locally and to, to do great commission work here in our local setting. And, and uh, we are all partnering because we're motivated in the gospel, together for the gospel. This local ministry includes um, having and calling pastors, which we do, and even supporting them, and also having deacons and supporting church staff and, and other ministry here with the operating budget of our church. All of that partnership here locally is stuff that, that needs to be done to support the ministry in outreaches and meals that we do uh, for a variety of our, our ministries, uh, for VBS and different things of that nature. This is local partnering, gospel-motivated. None of us are doing this other than the fact that Jesus Christ saved sinners like us and brought us into this local church together. This is a local ministry that we partner in together to fulfill and pursue 
ministry together here in Galilee. And it doesn't happen magically. It doesn't just happen without people or even a few people. It takes collectively all of the members working together to participate in this ministry here, in our Jerusalem, if you will. So here's my question. Are you supporting your Jerusalem? Are you praying for your church and members of your church or or, or other things going on in our church? Are you encouraging the gospel here in this community? Are you encouraging ministry of our church, listening and applying to the word of God? Because this Acts 1-8 vision of going out and, and fulfilling the Great Commission will not happen unless we are together in doing this, and it happens starting here locally. We cannot bypass this local and jump beyond and get ahead of ourselves because there's significant ministry that's going on in this church right here in this town. I want us to get a vision of that and to get behind that, and, and if we're members, to be supportive of that. This is a wonderful thing that we can do, involvement in our local church, giving financially even to the local church to help the Jerusalem aspect of our ministry here in Gallatin. You know we also have associations with other Southern Baptist churches here locally as well. Uh, The NGRBA, the North Grand River Baptist Association, where we collectively support uh, a director of missions, for instance, or a DOM, if you've heard that language. We help, uh, this type of ministry helps resource our churches and we partake in shared ministry and encourage one another in gospel-motivated partnership. This is a context that is a blessing to us and that we're a part of. Did you know that? Do you, do you all know that we're part of a local association? Sometimes we have meetings. I know not all of us go, but, but this is a, a great partnership that we have locally that we're all a part of as a church. And that's something just to be aware of and be encouraged by. In our context, we also have partnerships with other non-SBC churches in town through the Ministerial Alliance, for instance, where we have local benevolence meetings where we, we worship services and we raise money to support local uh, ministry and needs going on here in our town. These are all important gospel-motivated partnerships, and these are all local But we also go beyond that, and I want to move us now to our second point and number two, uh, domestic gospel partnerships as well. We've seen the local, now we want to move on to the domestic. Now, we're broadening from the Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria that Acts 1.8 reveals to us. Let's see Acts 1.8 again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. These next level broadening out from the local to the domestic, which really includes both the state and national level if we're talking about our denomination in the SBC. Now, this may be familiar to some of you, but maybe not to others. I've just talked to people this past week who knew very, very little of the cooperative program. So this is a sermon that could hopefully get us caught up a little bit, brush the surface a little bit in these realities to be encouraged by the ministry that we're doing. This is also not that pioneer missions work reaching unreached areas because much of the United States and Canada are by and large reached. There's gospel presence and access and and freedom to, to pursue these things. However, we need more healthy churches planted throughout the United States and beyond. We need more people hearing the gospel because there are still many who do not believe domestically. I read a few books this past week on the cooperative program that stated that there is an estimated 300 million 
people who are unsaved in North America alone. There's a lot of ministry right here in the state and in our nation. So the ministry branching out domestically is a great need, I hope you can see, fulfilling the Great Commission work, reaching others so that others might be taught in churches and in different ways to be multiplied across the nations in many different churches. And that's what we do when we support the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. When we give our gospel-motivated giving, part of our offering, did you know this, as a church, goes to domestic strategic gospel partnerships in our very own denomination. Part of our giving we send through the State Convention of Missouri goes to North American Mission Board, or NAM, if you've ever heard of that, and that's a cooperative giving that helps all this Great Commission work uh, domestically as well. And it's used for church planning and church revitalization, um, which is bringing dead and dying churches back to health. Again, there's much great work that needs to be done, and praise God that churches are, are, are doing that and being planted and being built up here in our denomination. This is the similar point to the first one. I hope you realize all this takes money. It takes support, encouragement. It takes partnership. And... When we give as a church, we broaden out and we support these great ministries. The Annie Armstrong Easter offering that we take yearly goes directly to the North American Mission Board. We also take an MMO offering later in the year, which is the Missouri Missions offering that supports domestic work right in our State, And we've seen the fruit of that, and First Baptist Church of Gallatin has been behind that, partnering in these ways in great ways. And by the way, if you're a member of our church, you even have the opportunity, did you know, to come to a business or members meeting and to be voted by our congregation and sent to either our state convention meeting or a national convention meeting to find out more about all the wonderful ministry that's going on in Missouri or around the world, And if you go to one of those convention meetings, you'll get all the more excited for those of us who've been to them about all the great reach and ministry and gospel-motivated partnerships going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. I encourage us all to get a glimpse of this so that we know where our support is going, so that we know what we are getting behind and we know where the need is at. We also support domestic colleges and universities and seminaries. Did you know that? In the cooperative program, the SBC supports, I just found out this week, there are 48 different, I knew that they supported them, but there are 48 colleges connected to the SBC at discounted rates for Southern Baptist students, three here in Missouri alone, Southwest Baptist University, Hannibal LaGrange University, and Spurgeon College. And then, of course, there are the six seminaries that are offered at significantly discounted rates, and we're talking half the rate. If somebody outside of SBC goes there, they pay double than an SBC student. I myself have benefited from the Southern Baptist tuition rate, and I don't think I would have been able to afford seminary without it. Or at least I would have had to take more loans from my undergraduate studies uh, to be able to do and participate in my master's in divinity. Uh, But the cooperative program, you see, Churches much like ours, you see, have given, and that pool of funds help lower the costs for future pastors and seminaries to go to be trained and then come to our churches. Think about it, church. You didn't know this. You didn't know me back in, what are the dates again? Uh, 2008 to 2012. You didn't know me back then, 
But we were given to the cooperative program here at First Baptist Church, so you guys have a nice small part in supporting my seminary education by God's grace through the cooperative program, including other pastors in the past who've been sent out doing great work, and other missionaries, and other church workers that go and they study and they get a a discounted rate and they get built up and they go out for the glory of God. This is great work going on right here domestically as well, tied to our church, to the cooperative program of the SBC. Praise God for that. Praise God for our denomination. Just a side note here, I'm mentioning aspects of the SBC a lot because, of course, we are a Southern Baptist church. Other denominations will partner and have different connections with other endeavors, or at least that they should if they're going to be a great commission church. But we have, as Southern Baptists, I hope you realize this, are the largest denomination with the most significant reach of funds and resources and offerings that there is. Nobody comes close to this kind of cooperation. I hope you're encouraged to be a part of the Southern Baptist Convention and to be giving and to be a part of a church that has that kind of amazing reach to the nations, and and even to our nation domestically. Praise God for these partnerships. Yes, we love what we're doing here at First Baptist Church locally, but we also partner with Christians and churches to get the gospel out of even states like ours because we're motivated by the gospel, and we're motivated alongside, I don't know, 48 to 50,000 different other Southern Baptist churches to cooperate for the same task as they give, and we all give to the cooperative program. This is a blessing. Some of us don't think about that. I want us to think about that. I want us to have an extra motivator for generous giving in these things and to see the great need. I want us to see ways that we could spread the gospel, train ministers and missionaries and church workers and anybody who's called to to, to the ministry and and to, to do that to other areas even outside of our local context as well, and to see how we're blessing others and then how we're being blessed by it as well. This leads us to our last and final point, and number three, international partnerships. See it again uh, on the screen. We've seen the local gospel partnerships, domestic gospel partnerships. Now we're moving to the international um, gospel partnerships. And this gets to that last aspect of Acts 1-8, and that is the ends of the earth. This is where the Great Commission sending part really kicks in, where the missions work is at. Now, we talked about local Great Commission work, domestic Great Commission work, but we also have this aspect of sending people or holding the rope for people here in the States domestically, in our church locally, to people who might go to the nations, a little bit like what Sam was talking about last week. Uh, and we're, this is where missions work is at. This is where missions and missionaries are going. They're going to underreached areas to proclaim and make disciples and plant churches, uh, to teach and raise up disciples, to basically be like churches like ours in places all over the world. Because what we're doing right here is Great Commission work. This kind of thing needs to be happening in other nations. Not only other nations, but obviously all domestically other states. Not only other states, but all the way across the world. Not only to places that already have it all over the internet and have access to a bunch of good resources in their language, but even to places 
where the gospel has not reached and there is no material, no Bible in their languages. We want to get behind this great need as a church to support this outreach missionary work to go along with this vision to be witnesses as we see in Acts 1.8. There's a huge need here, isn't there? There's a void of the gospel in some places, isn't there? There's not a void of the gospel here. It may seem like it as we talk to our friends who could care less about the gospel. They all have nothing to do with it. But they have access to it. They have you. They have many churches. They have many resources. There are places that have none. There's a void. So a percentage of our cooperative program giving also Uh, This gospel-motivated giving that we do every single week here as an act of worship, it goes to the cooperative program and this glorious effort to be generous to support missions and missionaries across the nations. Did you know that? Did you know that we are reaching out to the nations with our cooperative giving? That's something to get behind, isn't it? All these things are something to get behind. This particular wing of the SBC is focusing on international missions. It's called what? The IMB. Because I know not all all of you know what that stands for. I'm going to say it. It's the International Missions Board. So missionaries like Scott Hill, who came and preached over a year ago in this pulpit, who was sent out to, is being sent out and preparing for Southeast Asia to reach, currently doing language uh, uh, training with his children and his wife, getting up to speed with the community there and having people over in his homes and going to eat with other people. We've been having some correspondence and text messages with him and Pastor Wood, and we're hearing about all these gospel awesome opportunities. You see, we proudly as an SVC support missionaries like Scott by giving to the cooperative program that might provide their salary while they're there so that they're able to live and the cost of living while they're there to be freed up to do the work of the ministry. We're a part of that. We might not ourselves be called to, as missionaries to the nations, but we might. I don't want to discredit that. There may be someone right here in this room who is going to be called to be sent out with the International Mission Board and that First Baptist Church of Gallatin is going to support an international missionary from Gallatin, Missouri, who goes out supported by our church in the cooperative program to the glory of God and the good of his people so that the peoples would praise. So that the peoples would praise. But though we're not all called to necessarily go, we are all called with no unclear way about it, as we even saw last week. We all are called to care about and to support generously through gospel-motivated giving, gospel-motivated partnerships internationally as well. And we do that for IMB missionaries right now, and we've done that historically. I just want to be encouraged by that. I want you to be encouraged by that. Well done for all the good giving that this church has generously given to this kind of work, to international work where the gospel has not been preached, uh, where there's lack of resources and lack of pastors and lack of churches. Praise God that we are a part of that. We get to be a part of that. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that something to get uh, pumped up about and behind? Our special offerings that we do once a year during Christmas time, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That goes entirely and directly, whatever you give, every single penny goes to the International Mission Boards for this great work. So around Christmas time, as you're thinking and praying and seeing how God might leave you, all you know is whatever you might give, whether it's $5 or $500, every penny is going to International Missions. 
We do that every year, and we've done that every year. This is awesome. This is great. Do we see that? Do we see that as good ministry that we're doing? What a blessing that we do. We get to be a part of that great work. Or as one book that I read this past week put it, to be part of one sacred effort. What a great effort it is. But did you know that there are areas in the world that don't have many Christians at all and we really couldn't get to and reach even if we really wanted to. Sadly, I just want you to hear this. There is a area in the world where there are significant unreached areas that are closed or even hostile countries to the gospel where there's lots of persecution. People are being put to death. Christians are being put to death. Churches are being burned. That's a hard work. That's a hard ministry. But it exists. We can't put our heads in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist just because everything's really nice here right now in Gallatin. We need to see and think and feel for our brothers and sisters overseas in these unreached places. And we need to give our lives to reaching them. Why? Because think of this. Think of this was you. If you grew up in one of these unreached places, in a place in the world, and we can put the map up on the screen again this week, called the 1040 window, the red area, if you remember it from last week. And if you didn't see it, please watch both of them as soon as possible. You see that red area. This is a place that, Red means no gospel. Red means no Bibles in their languages access to. Red means no media even that they could get to legally. Red means no missionaries. Red means no pastors. Red means no local churches or very, very little. I mean very minimal at best and most of it's underground, secret, and really, really hard. Do you realize that there are people, if you grew up in that area, that you would live your whole life, you'd be born... You'd live your whole childhood and adolescent years and into your adulthood. You'd get married if you got married. You'd have your career. You'd live to a ripe old age, and then you'd pass away, should the Lord give you that time. But if you live in that era, you will not ever once hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You won't hear it because it's not there. That's what unreached means. This is the 1040 window, that area that Samuel mentioned last week. It's the area with no gospel presence. This is tragic. This should get our hearts. This should cause us to mourn. The sermon that Samuel and I mentioned to that we both were impacted by at the conference together for the gospel the week before Gave some numbers that differed a little bit from the book um, Better Together that I read about the cooperative program, one of the books I read this week. That book a couple years ago said that there are 2.8 billion in that red area who have never heard the gospel, who have never had an opportunity to hear and to believe and to be saved, to get a part of a local church, to be encouraged by the gospel. They are born, they live, they die without any gospel hope. 2.8 billion. And in that sermon we heard, the number is higher. It's 3 billion approximately uh, now. And, And I know these are estimates, but there's a lot of people, let's just say, 
there's a lot of people who have never heard the gospel and will never hear the gospel unless, unless we send them or unless we go. This is great commission partnering and work. This is what gospel-motivated giving is all about. All these partnering and partnerships, whether locally or domestically or internationally, and certainly there's a heartbeat here for the close to three billion people who are unreached. If something's not done about reaching these unreached areas, as Samuel said last week, it's going to get worse and worse and redder and redder, or it's just going to stay red, and then nobody's going to be getting saved if we don't push into these areas. We need missionaries in strategic partnerships to be sent to place, places where this gospel ministry and churches are built up, or maybe newly founded seminaries, for instance, are, 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 are established to train and equip and build up local pastors and churches across the nations. And maybe, just maybe, like I said, someone here in this room might even be called to missionary work. But here's the problem with this area that you're seeing on the map. As Samuel mentioned last week, these underreached areas in the 1040 window, the red areas, only receive about, and this is not a typo in my notes, they only receive 1% of overall missions giving across the world in every missionary organization. The other 99% is used in places outside of that red and unreached 1040 window. And we're really thankful for the ministry of outreach always, but those numbers are very, very lopsided. I'm not a mathematician, but those numbers are very, very lopsided. Now, there may be very lots of, there's lots of reasons for this, right? Like, these areas are really hard to reach. Sometimes it's almost impossible, and even seemingly impossible, it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible, right? It seems impossible in some of these regions to even getting missionaries into them and into these countries because they're so hostile, But the fact remains, only 1% of our missions efforts across the spectrum in missionary giving goes to the 1040 window or those red areas of the map that you see there. This is not just tied to our denomination. It's all Christian giving everywhere. That's the percentage for all Christian giving everywhere. Only 1%. So the rope is really, really, really long and far in some places, like 99% long. And then it's really, really, really short and and tiny in other places, like 1% wrong. Long. It doesn't seem right. The 99% is dangling down while this unreached area is barely able to get a, a hand around the rope because it's so far up and nobody's coming to them. It's greatly needed. That's the point of Samuel last week. That's the point of what I'm sharing this week. I want FBC Gallatin to prioritize holding the rope not only into the 99% of missions giving, which I want us to do that, but also to this 1% of well as well. This is why we're considering as a church supporting Samuel and why I think we should pray really, really hard about it. I can't make that decision for us. I can just lead us to thinking about the decision. And it's my intention alongside Pastor Wood to lead us in the next month to think about supporting him. Why? Because what we have here is a providential connection of ministry that has somehow came about in the last month and a half to be able to get this brother who's going right to the heart of the 1040 window 
to, to, to teach and train pastors in the 1040 window in an area that is not hostile, that he actually can be there and preach and have his family and teach and, and have a seminary there. In fact, it's even supported by the local governments there. You heard it all in the testimony. If you listen to that, these connections can't be ignored. I am not a prophet. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord God says we need to support Samuel. I'm just saying, as long as I'm your pastor, as long as Pastor Wood is your pastor, we're seeing this as a providential potential opportunity to reach out to the 1% and devote some resources that we might decide to the red area. Sadly, it hasn't been reached for whatever reason. Whatever reason it hasn't been reached, all I can say is that we have an opportunity to directly support someone who's doing excellent ministry. I'd say that this is a good cause to get behind and to get excited about. If you hear Samuel and see how like-minded he is with us, I'm confident that he has prepared himself over all these years and he's being sent out and that this would be a good potential. I wouldn't offer any potential partnership of just any potential ministry. Of course, we are supporting the SBC and I love that. And as you can tell from my the majority of my sermon here, I'm behind that. I'm gonna continue to be behind that and I'm gonna encourage us to be in more and more behind that uh, as a church. But you see here, this area in Abu Dhabi and the surrounding areas in this Gulf Theological Seminary is a strategic potential gospel-motivated partnership to unite with Gulf Theological Seminary. Uh, This seminary that was just founded a few years ago uh, that Samuel shared about, uh, and it's this seminary that you see is the first seminary ever in the Arabian Peninsula ever. There are no other seminaries to support out there. We couldn't give to another seminary even supported by our denomination if we wanted to out there because there's not a seminary out there in that way. This is a unique partnership and opportunity to support something that I think it'd be good for us to uh, consider. It's a very important work. And as I've been getting excited, (laughs) just barely finding out about, about all this like the rest of you. The last month and a half, that's that's what that's when I have learned about this and been excited about this. Oh, and I see that, that Samuel and this ministry and the church that they're tied to and the seminary is all a wonderful, like-minded ministry, as you could see clearly from what you heard from him. There are a lot of good things that we might support and we do support things, but there is something neat about this potential providential connection. Listen, I love our denomination, and I want to continue to put it forward, and I want to continue to grow in giving. I want us to be a gospel-motivated giving church to all these things, and I want to lead us to that way. And we are doing that. I want to do more of that, and as we get a glimpse of this, maybe the Lord would move in ways to move God's people to consider to get behind more and more giving to our local church to reach these underreached and unreached areas. I hope we're excited about it. And we're going to be having an opportunity, those of us who are members, to get behind all of these things. We always have an opportunity with our regular giving to get behind the cooperative program. We're also going to have an opportunity to consider potentially additional support of Samuel and his family as well soon in this strategic partnership. The question about any of our gospel-motivated cooperation, it all comes down to this. Whether it's through the SBC, which we heartily support, or anything else, that we might partnership, 
a partner with is are they aligned with our mission and direction as a local church and the gospel and our biblical vision because we want to support ministry that is aligned in those ways because we want to get behind and, and duplicating and encouraging the things that we love and are most passionate about here and that is God's word and the gospel. As I mentioned last week, and as you saw demonstrated from Sam last week, Sam is a word-centered, gospel-centered, disciple-centered kind of pastor. You heard it from him, hopefully, clearly. And he, of course, even put forward in Romans uh, 15 an exposition as an expository sermon, which aligns with one of our commitments of a church. He also cares a lot about intentional discipleship. I'd say he cares about it if he's going to move his family across the world stepping out in faith to seek to disciple and mentor and raise up other pastors in the area to go out to their home church. He cares about intentional discipleship. That's one of the commitments of our church. And of course, also, he is doing great commission, global, ends of the earth kind of work. And this is also a commitment of our church. And this is really aligning, I hope you could see, with the DNA of our church. Praise God. And we saw last night, Last week, directly from him, that Samuel pointed us to the glory of God and challenged us to orient our lives around what God prioritized for our lives. And that is the worship of God. Do you remember that? About his glory. Do you remember what he said? Over and against idolatry. And he showed us how God is glorified in calling to himself worshipers from all over the globe, or as he pointed to in the book of Revelation, from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. Jesus secured his bride, the church, when he died on the cross, and we are going out to reach out to them so that they might be saved to the ends of the earth. So we want to partner with all the things we're partnering and also consider other ways that we could generously partner with as well. We do that regularly. I already talked about the three uh, special offerings we give every year. For however long we've been doing it, it's been a long time, long before I came here. We give a generous percentage of our, of our, of our, of our overall income and giving to gospel-motivated work. This is a generous church. That's what we are. I'm not preaching this sermon because we're not a generous church. In fact, the whole reason I even thought fit to reach out to Sam was because we're a generous, gospel-motivated church. That's why I reached out. That's why I mentioned it in the finance meeting. That's why when they were, everyone was thinking, hey, let's reach out to him. Let's hear from him. That's why we had him come here. Why? Because we care about missions here at First Baptist Church. There's no doubt about it. Praise God as we continue always into the future, now and into the future, ways to be more and more generous. I challenge every one of you here in conclusion, I challenge us all, every last one of us, to think about wanting to be uh, generous and supportive of the work here in our church, locally, and then the, the work that we're connected to domestically, and then also the work internationally. Because you see, it takes a cooperative work. No one church can do this on their own. We need to work together. We're better together, as that book title goes. I hope you can see the vision in all these different areas how we're better together to work, to support, to pray for, to encourage, to hold the rope for people that we send and for ministry throughout the world. I'm convinced that if we devote ourselves to these things as a church body, all of us get behind it as members of this church, then we will not only meet our monthly budgeted needs, 
without being in deficit. I'm convinced if we get behind this vision, and on this note, I even spoke to a few members in the last week who, who shared with me just from their heart after hearing about these things that they're inclined to want to even give more and more to causes like this and to things like this and so that even above and beyond what they're already given, their heart is drawn to want to give more. We're all going to have an opportunity to do that just like we have opportunities all along to do that. Why? Because we're a generous, gospel-motivated, partnering kind of Church, think about all the, prior, the prioritization that we've given to this over the years as a church and all the money and all the support and all the prayer and all the encouragement. I want you to see that as we get glimpses of these things, it, it, Christians respond to that. Christians have hearts that are moved towards that. I wanna, this, this is a sermon to move our hearts towards that vision, to be proud and excited about being a part of this church. Uh, what a blessing. Christians do amazing things when they're motivated by gospel realities. The end of last year, after buying, uh, having, to, having to purchase um, air conditioning units and having a lot of money going out and coming off of the pandemic, think about this. Do you realize people have such generosity that they might, that they might give out of the abundance even of selling of a farm or selling of something else in terms of assets, assets and God provides providentially We knew we had needs, and God provides providentially in ways that we could never ask or think or imagine, and we're just like, whoa, look what God has done. We need to blow the lid off of our our, our thinking about these things because God provides in amazing ways, and praise God for how he does that. But But even more important than financial stability or anything of that nature, more important than that is that we do everything for the glory of God and seek this great commission task as a church to be blessed by God through that, to flourish in continued growing support locally, domestically, and international connections in our denomination and beyond. To be blessed beyond anything that we could ask or imagine with strategic partnerships with the SBC and potential other strategic partnerships, maybe like someone like Sam, if we decide to support as well. Will you pray about that? Every last one of us, if we're members of this church, at least watching both of Sam's messages and thinking, is this something that aligns with our church that I want to get behind? If that is the case, we're going to have an opportunity to be able to give to that end and also decide and deliberate together how or if or if, if we might not um, give in this way. Praise God that our church has continuing to give. I know that we will in a variety of ways, and we'll just trust God in light of this potential strategic partnership. And I'm going to close here a little bit different than I have before. I'm going to ask um, Doug and Shirley Laney to come forward to share a little bit of testimony because uh, they, uh, as missionaries to Papua New Guinea, had um, direct impact of kind of like what Sam might be going through and other missionaries in the SBC might be going to as, as they're seeking support and, and connections with the local church. So um, I think this mic should be on for you, and I'd love, we'd love to hear encouragement from you uh, about how you were encouraged by a local church in your ministry. Thank you, Pastor. I, I started getting so emotional just thinking about coming up here. I apologize for that. When I start thinking about missions, it touches my heart. If you don't have one of these prayer cards, please get one. There's a whole stack of them back there. 
We picked one of these up. We got home with it. We said, what are these guys' names? We couldn't find it on their internet. There's probably a reason for that because of the country they're going to. We had to find out what their names were. We wrote it on the back. We started looking at their faces, looking at their pictures, started thinking about them a lot, began to pray for them. You know what happens when you think about them all the time and you pray for them all the time? You want to support them. We started praying. How would God want us to support this family? And <clears throat> we're going to continue to give to this church. This is our church. We're going to give. We're going to support the works of this church. We're not going to give any less to this church. But we give just like my parents did. That My parents raised us this way. My parents supported mich missionaries in Israel and all over the world. And we're doing the same. And we are supporting a number of works. And we were already praying about taking on a new ministry prior to hearing about these guys. And we decided just like two or three days before we heard about these guys, we're going to take on that new ministry. And now we're thinking about taking on another ministry. And we're not that we know where the money's going to come from. We just want to trust God that he'll provide for us to do that. Many of you know, we're na our names are Doug and Shirley Laney. We were in Papua New Guinea, missionaries there for 13 and a half years. We had a year of missionary boot camp. We had a year of linguistics training. We had quite a time raising support the Lord provided for us. Thirteen and a half years on the mission field. We were supported by people who loved us. People who prayed for us all the time. Who thought about us. Who were continually in contact with us. Doing wonderful special things for us. Churches and individuals. I told the pastor just a little bit about some of the churches that support us. And he wanted me to just mention just a couple of things. I want to talk about four Southern Baptist churches who supported us. They continued to support the cooperative program. They supported the IMB. They supported Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, all of that. But they went beyond to support missionaries because they saw the need and heard the need of the gospel going where Christ had not been named. On the island of New Britain in the tribe of Kowloon, these people supported us. Y'all know, some of you know Pleasant Valley Baptist Church right down here in Liberty. That church had a missionary conference. They brought in about 20 missionaries, had them all, the big, big, big four-year they got, had all these displays set up all over the place. They had to speak in a Sunday school class, gave us five minutes in a service. They decided to get our primary transportation on the field, a four-wheeler. And we, we actually went to places where the four-wheeler could not reach. We, there was one of the churches got planted. We, we went as far as it would go. We left the four-wheeler, and we started hiking up over the mountains, and we ended up where the church was. But they got us a four-wheeler, went right up here to Rob Cycle. When the, when the people that own Rob Cycle heard about it, they got excited, and they cut the price way down, and, and they started having offerings and collecting money, and in no time, they bought us a four-wheeler. They put every attachment on that imaginable <laughs> Heavy racks, heavy winches, everything. I mean, we, went, we were decked out when we went there. They provided for us a four-wheeler. And it's a Southern Baptist church. Uh, there was a man in that church that began to support us individually. Beyond giving to his church, he started supporting us $200 a month. When we left the mission field, our kids were still there. He started supporting our children for $1,000 a month, just him and his wife. And I asked my son, are you sure? <laughs> Thousand a month? He said, you tell your dad. I am so thankful for his ministry there. It impacted my life. And I want him to know that his ministry was not forgotten. It was not in vain. And I want a ministry to continue in Papua New Guinea. 
And I'm going to support his children on the field. The Southern Baptist Church. Uh, the first Southern Baptist Church of Fort Scott, Kansas. The, the gentleman that ran the Christian radio station was from that church. And they started supporting us $100 a month. There's so much I could say about that, but I need to go on. First Baptist Church right here. Mm-hmm. You guys supported us. Mm-hmm. We had the need of a generator on the field. A big generator. There was three families that were ministering there. And you guys bought that generator for us. You provided the funds to ship it over there as well. Can you imagine shipping a 13,000 kW generator to the field? Creating it, shipping it. You guys provided that for us. That generator kept our ministry going on and on and on. Printing, I mean, we had solar systems, but do you know how much it rains in Papua New Guinea? The sun doesn't shine a whole lot sometimes. And we had to charge batteries. We had to charge our battery banks. We, it kept printers going, computers going. We, we were able to print literacy materials, print Bible lessons, print songbooks. I mean, just the ministry carried on because of a generator. We wore that generator out. It quit. We sent it off to the mainland, over to Port Morgan. They rewired the generator, sent it back to us, and we wore it out again. It generally just kept going and going and going for us. One more. There was a church in Carthage, Missouri called Victory Baptist Church. <clears throat> it's out on Highway 96. Any of you traveled between Carthage and Avella out on Highway 96? It's called Victory Baptist Church. It's our Southern Baptist Church. And that pastor told me, he says, you know, we're, we're kind of different than some Southern Baptist churches. We have so many ministries as well as the Southern Baptist ministries. And he says, we want to get behind you guys. They supported us $250 a month. Mm-hmm. But there's also one unique thing that that church did. Shirley wants to tell you about it. It just, we still are overwhelmed in what that church did for us. Yeah, one of the real special blessings we got when we were overseas was this church. Um, they would send us care packages every month. And um, the, they asked us, you know, what kind of things can you not um, get there? And it would be special to you. Maybe things like hot cocoa mix or um, cranberry sauce for your Christmas dinner or something like that, and, and um, they, the different people in the church would bring it, and, and then there was two ladies that would uh, box it up um, each month and send us a box. We, we might not get it for six months, but sometimes we get two boxes in a month, and it was just a real encouragement and just, um, just a special blessing um, from people back home, and um, we're just, was just so thankful for that. <laughs> Because you guys got behind us and supported us, we were able to go learn a language, teach the gospel, plant a church, and that church planted five other churches, four, six other churches. Mm-hmm. Seven churches were planted in the time that we were there. Some are tiny. Some villages only had 25 people, but they had a church. <laughs> some villages had 150 people, but they had a church. So some are tiny churches, some are large. But God is still doing that work. Our partners are still there translating the word of God into the Kowloon language. Thank you. Brother. And you shared the videos at um, teenagers. And, oh, I wish you all could see this. But in the two videos, you see them uh, in a completely different cultural context, like completely different cultural context in, in Papua New Guinea. And, and, and Doug and others are, like, teaching 
Bible and theology and training local leaders and pastors and things of that nature in their, in their language, the story of the Bible, and, and, and so many wonderful things. I was just so encouraged by you. Thank you both for uh, willing to, to share. I want to close this in prayer, praying for you, praying for us, and then we're going to take communion together, um, a fitting time to, to take communion as a family, as a church family, and to be encouraged in these things. Father, we are so thankful for your great gospel work in the hearts uh, of your people throughout the world, here locally um, and throughout our nation and even internationally. Thank you for the generosity of churches across the world in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, including the generosity of our church to support missionaries and great endeavors all over the place. Lord, we pray for more of that. We're also thankful for the way that you used these five connections, and I know many more in different aspects for the Laneys years ago when they were in Papua New Guinea. Thank you for their testimony of the grace that that you have shed in the hearts of your people so that those churches would be motivated by the gospel to be in partnership with the Laney for the spread of the gospel for your glory so that the nations would praise you, that the peoples would praise you for your glory. Thank you for that testimony. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to get behind more and more opportunities like that to just glorify your name and to be encouraged as a church, encouraged to be generous, encouraged to be excited about the ministry going on here at First Baptist Church. Would you bless all these things? Would you unite our hearts in unity? And would you bless us now as we take communion together to celebrate the gospel once again? We say this in Jesus' name, amen. Church that supported us. Every single month, you know who you are. Three families supported us and our kids, and we're just so thankful. Mm-hmm.